0: It's good to see all of you this morning. I'm curious. Out of all the things we've learned from Daniel, there seems to be a recurring theme. And I wonder if you could think for a moment and maybe you could summarize some of the recurring themes we find in Daniel in a sentence or two. Anybody want to give it a shot? What's some of the recurring themes we have in the book of Daniel? Daniel. We have prayer, yes. Daniel is a man of prayer. There's a really easy one. Can I have my slide? Faith, Faith. in one word. In one word, we have faith. Particularly, we learn of Daniel's faith. But there's another theme that's interesting that keeps popping up. And it has to do with Kings, kings, and kingdoms. Have you noticed that? Uh, we we learn about kings in the bygone years, and we've learned about prophecy of kings yet to come, and very particularly of a king yet to come. And so, as we launch into Daniel today, we're going to learn about another king and another king, and let us not forget the king of kings. But before we do that, let's pray together. Dear God, creator of all things, we bow to you so grateful and thankful that you are sovereign, that you are great, and that you are good. We thank you that we, your image bearers, can know you, can have a relationship with you, And I pray that just as Daniel's relationship with you was real and true, so each one of us would day by day walk with you in sincerity and in truth, knowing you more and more each day, for indeed you know all about us. And not only do you know about us, but you care about us, and we give thanks for that. And we give thanks knowing that all that is happening in this world around us You are sovereign and you are in control. And when things don't go as we may think they should, I pray that we would rest and hope in you. We commit ourselves now to you and pray that you would teach us from your word today, we pray in your name, amen. Daniel, Daniel's faith. Here we can see all of the chapters of the book of Daniel summarized with the acronym of Daniel's faith. And we've looked at a few of those. But I'd like for us for a moment to review just a little bit of where we've been. Just last week, we learned from chapters 7 and 8 some events of prophecy. You remember that in the first year of Belshazzar the king, Daniel had a dream. He had a vision upon his bed, and you remember he saw in that dream a great beast that was like a lion? that stood up on its hind legs as a man. and We found out that this lion with wings was a symbol and picture of what great kingdom? Who knows? Lincoln? Babylon. Babylon. That's right. But we also learned that after this kingdom, after this beast, there came up another that was a bear that had three ribs in his mouth. He was kind of a lopsided bear. What kingdom did the bear represent? Bruce. Media Persia. He was kind of lopsided because um, Persia is the greater of the two kingdoms. In fact, the two kingdoms merged, but Persia was the conqueror of Media. But yet they continued. Media Persia. But wait a moment. Well, this dream was given in, in the first year of Belshazzar, a Babylonian king. How could Daniel dream of the Media Persia empire? Well, because God gave him this dream, and God knows the end from the beginning. Well, after that bear came up, what beast came up next? Or what was it like? Anybody remember? I'm flipping it on you, aren't I? Elijah? Yes, that's right. A beast like a leopard, but it had four heads and four wings. and this represented what kingdom. Yes. Greece, that's right, the kingdom of Greece. Again, this vision was in the first year of Belshazzar, the the lion beast. But we learn of a third kingdom yet to come over a hundred years after this vision. And then after the leopard, there was another beast. And this one isn't conscribed, isn't compared to any other beast. It's given kind of a description. Does anybody remember what the description of that fourth beast was? Two words describing it. I'll give you the first one. Great. And, yeah, I heard it out there. Great and terrible beast with ten horns. This was a dreadful beast. And then after these beasts, oh, well, I should ask, what kingdom did this beast represent? Who knows? Yes. Rome. That's right, we're hundreds of years from when Rome comes to power. For this vision came in the first year of Belshazzar the king. And then you remember that as he continued to see upon the visions of his bed, he saw the king of kings, the ancient of days. And he saw there what we see now, looking forward to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Then in chapter 8, we learned about him. We found that these all parallel to Nebuchadnezzar's image. Now, I hope this is all familiar to you because this is a kind of an outline of history, but it's absolutely amazing because it is not just an outline of history. This was an outline of prophecy, and it's very important for us to understand how these prophecies were given and how these prophecies were fulfilled because it helps us to understand all prophecies in the Bible of how they are given and to be understood and how they are fulfilled and how they are to be understood. Some people try to take prophecies in the Bible and turn them into fanciful stories and allegories and apply them in all different weird ways. We find here that there are very specific, yes, wild creatures as symbols, but in the interpretations of these, it is a very simple and clear outline of future events that we now look at, and part of it, as history. Then there was another vision in Daniel chapter 8. Does anybody remember the two beasts given in Daniel chapter 8? Mr. Rinks, what was one of them? The ram, what was another one? Lincoln, the goat, that's right. So we had a goat, a ram, and we had the goat with the great horn. And we see that the ram represented Medo Persia, and the goat represented Greece. Again, don't forget, we sometimes lose track of this. These visions of Daniel took place in the third year of Belshazzar. Now, why am I making such a big deal about the timeline? Well, the reason is is because if we look at our acronym for the book, Daniel's Faith, we have the first chapter, Daniel is favored by Nebuchadnezzar, and second chapter is the answer to the king's dream, and the third chapter is Nebuchadnezzar's furnace of fire. The fourth chapter is the interpretation of the tree vision of Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, and then we have E for the fifth chapter, but it's not actually chronological. we got to mess up the acronym because we jump chronologically to chapter 7 when we have the scenes of the coming kingdoms, those four great and dreadful beasts, and then the Ancient of Days, and chapter 8, features of the ram and goat. Those take place in the third and the fifth year of Belshazzar. And now this morning, we're going to turn to chapter 5 where we have events of Belshazzar's feast And so you see they are out of order, which is amazing because again here we have prophecies that are happening long before their actual fulfillment even begins. Looking at the timeline, let's review Daniel again. You see here Daniel, the blue, the the white line bar here that goes all the way across? That's Daniel's ministry beginning in 606 BC when he was carried away captive We move forward in time, and just again, outline of the book, Daniel chapter two events, we believe took place about three years later in 603 BC. Notice that the kingdom of Judah is still in existence back in Jerusalem. We move forward to just after the fall of Jerusalem when we have the events of Daniel chapter three, which is the the burning fiery furnace, the golden image of Nebuchadnezzar taking place there. And then we move forward to near the latter end half or latter end of Nebuchadnezzar's reign when he has his tree vision in Daniel chapter 4, and you remember that he was given that vision, and it was a whole year later that then he had the opportunity to turn from his evil ways, but he didn't, and instead God had seven times pass over him where he lived and behaved as an animal, and then at the end of that, he proclaimed to the whole world who the one true creator God is, the one who rules in the kingdom of men. We found out, and this is very important, that Nebuchadnezzar was behaving as an ox till he knew and understood what truth. Does anybody remember? This all came upon Nebuchadnezzar until he understood what truth. I see some hands, but looking for some new hands. What truth did he need to understand? Lincoln? that's right, till he knew that God, who rules in heaven, is the king of kings and the lord of lords, and he sets up who he will, and he takes down who he will. He's in charge of the kingdoms. This is very important, because that truth was true way back in the very beginning of Daniel. This is the theme that keeps coming, the theme that keeps coming. Now, I asked you all how many of you until. I hope God doesn't have to take any of us and make us behave like oxen till we know that simple truth. Now, maybe you just forgot or didn't know what I was looking for. But don't miss that truth. I hope you all know that truth, that the God rules in the kingdom of men, that God rules in the kingdom of men. Does he rule in your life or in mine? He does, just so you know. But do we recognize him? Do we know him, and do we let him rule and reign in our hearts and lives? Nebuchadnezzar had been given all these visions. You've seen that we've gone through the whole life of Nebuchadnezzar, and it seems that he, he, he should have gotten it right there when he got that first vision in Daniel chapter 2, right? But he didn't. And then he should have gotten it again after he saw the furnace of fire when he blatantly defied the first vision. And he should have gotten it again when he had the privilege to see Actually, the Son of God. He should have gotten it, but he didn't. And then he had the vision of the tree, crystal clear, and he should have gotten it, but he didn't. Because a year later, he lifted himself up in pride. And God humbled him till seven times passed over him, till he got it. You know, sometimes God brings problems into our lives to teach us lessons. I hope he doesn't have to. We should be humble. We should recognize and acknowledge him in our daily lives knowing that he is sovereign and we worship him day by day. So now we've continued on. That was the end of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Just to tie in other historical events in the first year of Nebuchadnezzar's son, evil Muradak, Jeconiah. King Jeconiah was released. And if you look here, I've drawn a line here, the green line up there, you can see Jeconiah. At the end of Jeconiah's captivity, he was carried away captive by Nebuchadnezzar as a hostage. And now in the first year of evil Merodach, evil Merodach, for no reason given, lifted him up out of prison and set him and established him among the other kings. He was still a captive, but he was now given a position of distinguished honor within the kings that evil Merodach was king over. And that took place here at the end of Jeremiah, at the end of Nebuchadnezzar, in the first year of evil Merodach. What we already talked about was that first vision in the first year of Belshazzar of the four beasts and the ancients of days. We learned about in the third year, the vision of the ram and goats. These visions are just recorded and there's no information about them with Belshazzar. But I wonder, I wonder, can you wonder with me? Did those visions get recorded by Daniel? And did Daniel bring them and share them with Belshazzar? I don't know. Something I do know, though. You remember that throughout all this time, you see Daniel here. He's continuing all this time. Nebuchadnezzar has made him the greatest in the kingdom over and over again. seems like, though, he forgets him and has to elevate him again, doesn't it? But here now, when Nabonidus, you see there the timeline, you have Nabonidus and Belshazzar. Nabonidus, this story here is complicated, and there's lots of detail, and I find it intriguing. And If you want to know about it, let's have lunch together. Um, it's intriguing of all the detail that takes place, extra biblical history of Nabonidus and Belshazzar. But it seems that Nabonidus, it seems that Belshazzar has forgotten all about Daniel and the incredible influence that Daniel had upon their father and presumably grandfather. All of this is very intriguing because now today we come to Daniel chapter 5 and hope I'm going to tell you ahead of the story. We come to the fall of Babylon. Now remember, The vision of the image that Nebuchadnezzar had? All the history known at the time was the head of gold, right? There was no arms of silver. There was no media Persia empire. Of the four great beasts, there was only the lion with the wings of an eagle. There was no media Persia. There was no bear. In fact, the vision of the ram and goat, there's not even a mention of Babylon, Remember, even though those are recorded in in chapters different in the book of Daniel, those have all already been prophesied. You can be sure it will come to pass. So if you place yourself with me in the place of Belshazzar, this king set up to rule from Babylon while his father goes off and pursues his archaeological fascinations, will you remember the vision God gave to Nebuchadnezzar? Will you remember the vision of the four beasts, the ram and the goat? Or would you forget it all? Will Belshazzar, reigning in the city of Babylon, obey God? Will he humble himself before God? and recognize that he is the one who rules in the kingdom of men, and he sets up kings and he takes kings down? Will he, Belshazzar, not even the first in the kingdom. He's under his father, presumably father. He's under his father. He's not even the king. He's just kind of the king of Babylon while dad goes and does what he wants. Will he recognize the God of gods, the king of kings? Now, I see some of you. I can see it in your eyes. You already know the answer. Why, I already told you on the slide, the fall of Babylon. And maybe you already know about Belshazzar. But stop for a moment. Wait a moment. How many of you are parents? Let's see if you raise your hands. Okay, good. How many of you are grandparents? How many of you hope that your grandchildren will follow God? How many of you hope that your grandchildren, your children, will not make the same mistakes you make? <laughs> I do. But you know what? Kids, as a son, as a grandson, it's up to me. Will I trust God? Will I obey Nebuchadnezzar was hard and stubborn and proud. God humbled him. Would his children and grandchildren learn? I'm gonna tell you ahead of the story. They don't. Don't be like Belshazzar. Anybody want to play Belshazzar after I tell you all that? You all giggle. I've asked Elijah to play Belshazzar this morning, and you all need to be very grateful to him because he really doesn't want to. Because he already knows the story. So, anybody want to relieve him? We can transfer the mic. Nobody's raising their hand, Elijah. They feel just like you. So now you know you got a whole audience of people who are sympathizing with you playing this part. Belshazzar. Again, you all, forget what you know. Here we have... The son or grandson, it's not real clear of the great Nebuchadnezzar. Second in the kingdom, why do I say second? Well, if you looked at the timeline, you could see there, well, it's not up there anymore, that he is co-regent. That means he is co-king. That means he's king with his father, Nabonidus. His father decides to go and do some archaeological digs. Truly, it's, it's kind of intriguing how the record comes back of what his father wanted to do. I'm actually kind of curious as to what the spiritual condition of his father was, because he came from a warring family, and it's very possible that, my speculation here, but I wonder, I wonder if perhaps he didn't like the warring nature of his kingly family, of his dynasty, and he chose to focus in history and focus in other studies and priorities in his life, and just kind of left the politics to his son. Don't know all the details, and I'm very curious of his spiritual condition, but unfortunately, we know the spiritual condition of his son, Belshazzar. It says here that Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. So here, Belshazzar, there are thousands of your, your, your people and your lords and your princes. So who wants to come up here and be part of his lords and his princes? Huh? Nobody? I'm going to start calling names. Nathan, come. Micaiah, come. Oh, yes, we find out he had wives too. Who wants to be his wives? Oh, and concubines. Many years ago when I taught this, I had Joel do the B. Belshazz and I told him, go collect all of your lords and princes and wives and concubines. And when he did it 10 years ago, the whole stage was full of young men and there wasn't a single girl up there. And it's like, where are all the wives and concubines, Joel? And he just glared at me. So Hope, you come on up here. Faith, you come on up here. Yes, yes. Shalom, you're going to come on up here. Yes, please, please, please. It's not real. It's just pretend. So we've got some of these, and we've got Philip. Okay, let's see here. So we have the lords and the princes, all of these people here with with Belshazzar. Belshazzar has invited you to a feast. How many of you would like to go to a royal feast in the palace of Babylon? What do you think, Philip? That sound like fun? Yeah, you know, I find it interesting. Let's see here, we'll make you the special ones, and I only have one more here. I find it interesting in, in this great feast. Oh, wait a minute, let's see. Oh, we could get a little bit more creative here. Yes, I have a few more. Let's see, here we go. There we go. Okay, you go sit in your throne, you all gather round your king. Here, go feast with him. Here, Philip. Go stand up around with your king here. Look at this. A feast for a thousand of his lords. And here they feasted and they drank and they enjoyed all of this. Now, I think there's something interesting about what's, what's re- not recorded here. The princes and the lords, all these great people are here feasting with his majesty, the king. Where's Daniel? Where's Hananiah? Where's Michelle? Where's Azariah? Actually, we've never again hear of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Are they even alive at this point? Did they eventually die by some other horrific kingly demand from which God chose not to deliver them? We don't know. But they're not at this party. There's no mention of them. And particularly, Daniel's not at this party. I wonder if we could learn a lesson from that. You know, there's certain parties we probably ought to just stay away from. Some of them might be okay parties, and some of them are definitely ones we ought to stay away from. And I think we could learn from Daniel in that. Now, I said that after I insisted all these people come to this party. So learn that. Just because there's a party, and just because there may be great and powerful and impressive people there, doesn't mean you want to be at that party. Not all parties are the parties to go to. Well, as we look here in this, it tells us in verse 2, Daniel chapter 5, verse 2, that whiles Belshazzar tasted the wine, he issued this command.
1: Bring the golden and silver vessels which my father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein.
0: Oh. This is pretty bold of you. Are any of you going to challenge him on this? I mean, it was one thing for your grandfather to take those golden vessels from Jerusalem, and now here you're ordering them to be brought. There were a lot of golden and silver vessels in the temple of Jehovah. Oftentimes we think of the golden lampstand in the temple. You know, there wasn't just one in this early temple. That room, the holy place, was filled with these golden candlesticks. Perhaps these are some of those vessels that he called in to be brought. We know that of the vessels to drink out of, he called in to be brought. Imagine some of those labors which were made for pouring out before the Lord. The fresh wine as an offering to God now being brought in to this drunken party of this pagan king. They did as he commanded. They brought in the golden vessels. Oh, Belshazzar, would you not learn from your father? Your father. Would he have done this after he was humbled by God? What do you think? No. Not after he was humbled, I don't think so. Well, it tells us, verse 3, then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine, and they praised the gods of gold, of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. Here they were feasting in a drunken party. Not just feasting, but they were drinking up themselves drunk in the alcohol and wine of their feasts. And they were worshiping and praising the false gods. Not real gods. Gods of gold. You might think that's special. I mean, you think gods of gold are special? Oh, well, they're not special nor silver, nor bronze, nor iron, nor stone, nor wood. They're nothing special. But in this drunken feast, Belshazzar and his lords, the kingdom was worshiping them. And as they were worshiping and praising the gods of gold, of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone, It tells us in verse 5, "...in the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. And the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another." I wonder if the candlestick there was not the lamp from Jerusalem. Don't know. Imagine that, though. Now, I don't know what it's (coughs) like to be drunk, but I hear sometimes drunk people see things. I wonder what Belshazzar thought in this, though. He knew this just wasn't some drunken... Missy. this was a vision this was a reality that God brought into that palace that pierced through the drunken stupor and it brought a degree of sobriety soberness to everyone who saw it and this king was terrified there on the wall was written a saying he didn't understand. Belshazzar had no idea what this meant. But you know what's going on, Lord Philip? You're having this party here, and you see this written there on the wall by the candlestick. But what none of you know is that outside the city, Darius the Mede, and an army are advancing on Babylon under the command of Cyrus the Great. Darius the Mede, Cyrus the Great of Persia. But you guys are having too much fun drinking yourself drunk in Belshazzar's feast to even realize that Darius the Mede is advancing on your city. back into the throne room. Well, before we get there. They've forgotten all about. All about. Daniel, haven't they? Here, the king is troubled. It says his knees smote one against another. You ever felt that way? I, I do sometimes. I remember one of the first times I spoke before a crowd of several hundreds and I just literally trembled up there. Here the king is But he's not shaking because he got stage fright He's shaking because this is something terrifying to him And he knows it This isn't normal So the king says in verse 7 He cried aloud
1: Bring them the astrologers The Chaldeans and the soothsayers
0: And he spake Come who are you all Well here's maybe some of them already at the feast well, They've all gathered together So the king, he speaks to the wise men of Babylon.
1: Whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom.
0: There it is. All you wise men, did you hear that? You get to be the third in the kingdom. You can't be the second because he's the second. His dad's the first. He's the second. You get to be the third. How many of you want to come and try it the same? None of the wise men. None of the soothsayers, none of the chaldees, none of them. Can any of you figure, what's this mean? What's this say? What is all of it? Everyone is troubled. They could not read the writing, nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled. And it says his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. They just were troubled. And right about this time, for it says in verse 10, Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house. I find it interesting that she wasn't there either. Huh, who's she? We don't know for sure. We know she's queen. I don't think she's his wife because they're already there. So who is she? Maybe, perhaps, nebuchadnezzar's wife his grandmother perhaps she is a believer perhaps that's why she's not at the drunken party worshiping golden idols but at this time hearing of this the queen by reason of the words of the kings and his lords she came into the banquet house and the queen spake and said
2: "O king live forever Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him, whom the king, Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans and soothsayers, for as much as an excellent spirit, and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams, showing of hard sentences, and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Now, let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation.
0: Belshazzar,
2: do you know what she's talking about?
0: Tell you ahead of the story, he does. He knows who Daniel is. He remembers and knows the account of Nebuchadnezzar. You may say, How do you know that? Keep listening and you'll find out how I know that. He knew Daniel, but he had forgotten him. And so, Daniel is. see he plays Belshazzar and I play Daniel. See how that goes. Well it says here that Daniel was called before the presence of the king.
1: Art thou Daniel, which art of the children of the captivity of Judah, whom the king my father made brought out of Jewry, I have even heard of thee, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. And now the wise men and the astrologers have been brought in before me, that they should read this writing, and make known unto me the interpretation thereof, but they could not show the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of thee, that thou canst make interpretations, and dissolve doubts, Now if thou canst read the writing, and make known to me the interpretation thereof, thou shalt be clothed with scarlet, and have a chain of gold about thy neck, and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom.
0: Let thy gifts be to thyself and give thy rewards to another. Yet, I will read the writing unto the king and make known to him the interpretation. O thou king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for thou majesty, he gave him all people, nations, and languages. They trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he slew. And whom he would, he kept alive. And whom he would, he set up. And whom he would, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up, And his mind hardened in pride. He was disposed from his kingly throne. And they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men. And his heart was made like the beasts. And his dwelling was with the wild asses. They fed him with grass like oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven. Till he knew that the most high God ruleth in the kingdom of men and that he appointeth over it whomsoever he will. And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this but has lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords, thy wives, and thy concubines have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and of gold, of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know. And the God in whose hand thy breath is and whose are all thy ways hast thou not glorified? Then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this writing was written. And this is the writing that was written. This is the interpretation of the thing. Mine, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tikal, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Fares, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Did you catch all that? It's Hebrew. We read Hebrew from left to right. Mine, mine, tikal, ufarsen. Mine, mine, Daniel said, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Mine, numbered, counted, numbered, counted. God has numbered your kingdom, Belshazzar, and finished it. Tikal, Tikal, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Tikal means to be weighed. You're being compared to what God had appointed you to be. You're being put on a scale. You guys know what a scale looks like where there's the balancing side? You guys ever seen one of those scales where there's a balance? Well, there's a standard put on this side and this guy gets put on the other side. Guess what? (laughs) He's lacking. He's wanting. He's not got the weight of character he needs. The man God designed him to be, the position God appointed him to have, he's too light for. Not because he doesn't have it, For if he would trust God and obey God, he would. That's the only way we have weight of character. Which, as a lesson for all of us, God has a plan for each one of us. And if we were put on his scale, would we be wanting? We're going to learn later today about Jesus paying it all and Jesus taking care of it all. For us today, it's all about Jesus. But if we don't have Jesus and we're not living in strength of Jesus, we're wanting We're wanting Jesus. We need him. And by the way, when we have him and we're abiding in him, the scale is not wanting. Belshazzar, dekel, thou art weighed against God's standard, and you have been found wanting. Ufarsen comes from a word that is the same as you see it there listed as Perez which is the same root word from which the Persians get their name. And it means, Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Does this sound very good, Belshazzar? Now, this is interesting. Look what Belshazzar says. For it tells us in verse 29, Then commanded Belshazzar...
1: Cloth Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck.
0: Hey, guys, hurry up. Get over here. Here's some scarlet. Here's some (laughs) chain of gold. Come, 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 come. He just gave a command. These guys aren't very... You do know this guy can chop your head off. (laughs) Well, okay, I guess I have to do it myself. (laughs) Daniel said, Keep your stuff, king. They give Daniel a chain of gold, and he's to be clothed with scarlet royalty clothes. He's to be made the third in the kingdom. Now, what's this parallel to? You might think, Oh, well, some of the people I know wear gold chains are gangsters. Not always. Not always. But, you know, sometimes we get that impression. That's not what this gold chain is a symbol of. This gold chain is similar to this. It's a position of honor, rank, authority, power. Even more significant than, like, the Medal of Honor. But you know what I find most intriguing about this? Here Daniel is. He said to the king, keep your gifts. I don't need your gifts. Let them be given to another. Somebody tell me, think about his Majesty's command. It says here that, um, well, they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a gold chain about his neck, and they made a proclamation concerning him, "I'm the third in the kingdom." Somebody, tell me what's wrong with this. The kingdom is about to fall. Belshazzar, weren't you listening to anything? Because while this is all going on, Greek historical records record for us, yes, written many years later, but the story is, is that Darius the Mede, a governor appointed by Cyrus the Great, had come upon the city of Babylon, and through the city of Babylon, you see the river Euphrates flowing? They diverted that river to the point where they could ford it, and enter right into the city in the massive gate of where the river once flowed. And that very night, here a depiction, historical depiction of Cyrus the Great, those huh, Medes under Darius the Mede with the Persians entered right in through that city. The records tell us, and oh, isn't it interesting, the records agree with what God has said in his word, that when Darius came into the city, he found that the city was feasting and celebrating and drunk. So it was an easy victory. All sources agree that there wasn't even a battle. They won it. But I'd like to come back, your majesty, to your command. Did you guys hear his command? He commanded that Daniel be given the chain of gold, be clothed with scarlet, and be made the third in the kingdom. Now, what did Daniel just tell him? Mene, your day kingdom has been numbered and it's finished. So, why is Belshazzar saying that I'm the third in the kingdom? Belshazzar doesn't believe it. Doesn't believe it. Or he chooses to deny it. Willingly ignorant, blatant defiance of what has been revealed to him. Decal, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. he still thinks himself second in the kingdom. He still thinks himself great. He doesn't see himself as wanting. He sees himself as just okay. And there is thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. You're actually told exactly what will happen. Oh, and by the way, this is exactly what was told to his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar and was revealed in a vision to Daniel, which I suspect you heard about in your first year and in your third year and he chooses to ignore it he chooses not to believe it and instead he moves right on forward as if this kingdom is going to keep on going ignoring and not recognizing that even at that very moment the medes and the persians are invading his city from the north and the south instead he goes ahead and he makes daniel third in the kingdom Verse 30. And that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. He was killed. And Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about three score and two years old. He was 62 years old. Remember, he knew. Yes, Babylon was that lion now replaced by the bear. The image of Nebuchadnezzar, the head of gold replaced by the arms and chest of silver. He knew it. It's happened. The bear, the ram, all prophesied before; it's happened. Now, that Median Persian Empire, that ram with two horns, Median Persia, comes on him. All of this is fulfilled. Would, would to you that you remembered the last part of Daniel's vision of the Ancient of Days. We look for this still today. As we recognize this, that stone cut without hands is the kingdom, the millennial 1,000-year kingdom of Jesus Christ at which the end of it, Jesus delivers the kingdom up to his Father for eternity. You know, we have to keep our eyes fixed here. Now, some of us, we don't think we're like Nebuchadnezzar we, we or, or Belshazzar. We're just normal people, Right? Are you just normal people? Not rich, not powerful, not wealthy, just kids even. Do we worship God day by day? Did you hear what Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar? You knew these things, but you've chosen not to humble yourself. Will we, will we humble ourselves? And what did we talk about humbling ourselves as a few weeks ago? having a right view of God and worshiping him as God? Will we worship him as God? Remember, did you hear also what Daniel told to Belshazzar? That the God who revealed all of his plans, who is the one who will reign forever and ever, who is the ancient of days, who always has been and always will be, he gives us the very breath we have. Now, stop for a moment. Just try to control your breath. Stop breathing. Try. None of us can. There is one who can, though. The Ancient of Days. In fact, it's only because He, moment by moment, gives us breath that we have life. He is actively giving us life. Even when we try to say, oh, God, hold my breath. You try it sometime. Just by willpower, try it sometime. You can't. God is going to overrule you. He overrules. He gives us the breath of life. Everything is in him. He is our hope in him alone. Lord Jesus, you are the creator, the sustainer of life. May we worship you. May we obey you. May we trust you. We are indeed wanting, we are lacking, we need you. So fill us, Lord Jesus, and use us. We pray in your name, amen.